Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. Thank you all for joining us here on this beautiful Saturday morning, wherever you may be, and listening to your favorite radio station throughout the Northern Plains. In studio with me today, Steve Link, the broker at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty, Jack Pfeiffer, real estate agent and FAA drone pilot at Pfeiffer's, farmland managers, Pat Trainer and Morgan Almer. All four of them were with us last week, so we're going to continue our discussion. If you remember last week, we took a look back in 2020. We're going to talk about what some of our predictions and thoughts and concerns are as we lean into 2023. Uh, What a year in American agriculture. A lot of interesting things happening, but throughout the country and also throughout the world. Uh, You know, when I look back at 2022, I think about, uh, you know, a lot of good things took place in 2022 in in not only in our part of the world, but throughout America. Uh, But then a lot of a lot of tough things to swallow and digest. Uh, uh, One that comes to mind for me, first and foremost, is the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And all of the hardship of millions and millions of people who were forced to leave their home or who were killed or badly injured who, but, or were maybe even captured by the Russians in Ukraine. Uh, but, but all the people that now have all of a sudden become homeless and unsettled, uh, perhaps living in other parts of the world, but not being able to live in their home country. But even if they are uh, struggling to even even to live because their their energy grid is being decimated almost daily, if not weekly, by the Russians with their invasion of Ukraine. So uh, when I look back at uh, 2022, that's probably one of the most heartbreaking stories that I have actually seen in my lifetime. And I and I hope we never, ever see it again. Uh, this Putin, he's 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 a vicious, wicked man. And and I hope he gets stopped soon because America and the rest of the world, uh, they're watching and they're doing all they can to help the Ukrainian people. And there are a lot of Ukrainians that live in our part of the United States. A, a lot of people who came over to the United States over 100 years ago were Ukrainians. Uh, not only out in western North Dakota, but I know back in my hometown of Laramore, uh, some of my parents' friends uh, of, were of Ukrainian descent uh, and actually came here to farm. And again, so when you look at it, uh, the hardship and the heartache that they must feel, you know, looking back on 2022 and, and what the future really holds for, for them and their families. Uh, but moving forward in 23, hoping that, you know, the world settles down and things get a little bit better. Steve, you know, last week when we were in studio, we talked about some of the highlights of 2022, some of the things that we, we you know, we, we remembered the most about 2022. But, man, we're leaning into 2023 now in a heartbeat, aren't we? Yeah, you know, in our world, we always see when we're booking sales, it's a, it's a 30 to 45 day window that we need to market that. And so, yeah, now all the sales that we're booking at this period are going to be 2023 sales. And what's the question that everybody asks? How are those sales going to go? And the short answer is, I think we're still in the same market as we were the last couple quarters of last year, right? And I, I really believe that we're going to have these same um, same prices. I don't know if we're going to have the the steep increase like we have been seeing. We're probably plateaued. Um, we're um, you know every land parcel is unique, and so that's it's, it's a little bit tough to tough to to gauge that. But I I, I kind of feel like we're in a plateau. Um, in, are we going to go down? Are we going to go up? You know, there's a lot of dynamics there. Well, obviously interest rates are high. That's a negative. Um, but I really believe this is a top line market, meaning, um, the commodity prices, the money that's uh, coming into the agricultural world, 
um, is is substantial. There's a lot of wealth in 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 rural America, and that's been generating high sales and or, or strong sales. And if that goes away, if the if the if the nest eggs uh, start to, to to erode and 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 the producers don't think they're going to make as much money if the commodity prices go down, um, then then that could have a negative effect on the land prices. And if um, if that happens, then I'm a little bit worried about the the, the last couple quarters of, of of 2023. And so again, I encourage and I've, I've preached this for the last year. If you're if you're thinking of selling now, might be the best time to sell. It might be the best time in ever history of that land to to, to get the highest price for it. Um, so my my prediction is that we're going to hold steady here the first first part of 2020 and the the end of 2023. I'm 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 nervous. I'm worried. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. Uh, this window of opportunity. Uh, and if you kind of look at it from a football uh, field perspective, you got the goalpost. Uh, we're 100 yards apart now here in this window of opportunity. But, you know, as you're talking about this, you know, those goalposts might get moved. We might be looking at a at a 60-yard football field here before too long because the window of opportunity is going to start closing, I think, as well. And I think that's what you're getting at. Right. And, you know, and interest rates, um, you know, like we've talked about a lot in these shows, Interest rates are, are double what they were at the beginning of 2022, and and so your power your 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 power of borrowing is 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 limited on that, and so that that takes a big toll on people and and how they're going to how they're going to make these different purchases cash flow, um, but on the other hand, you know when you farm in an area when you're a producer in an area and land comes up in your neighborhood sometimes you just have to take that and buy it at that time when it's available because you don't have the luxury of waiting for interest rates to go down you don't have the luxury of waiting 5 years because um, to, to, to add on to your farm because it may not be available in five years. And so sometimes you just have to do it and, and roll with it. And that's what we talked about in previous shows too, is, is seller financing going to be, uh, attractive for, for buyers to take advantage of it because a, because a parcel comes up for sale is, um, is, is the different programs that they, that they allow it going to be attractive. Um, and so in, in those situations, I think land prices are going to stay strong, um, because it is such a finite asset. It's, it's something that, um, people can make improvements to. It's something that they, people can add, um, add to and, and the equipment's getting bigger and they can farm more and, and produce it in the higher rent, higher cash rents. And so all of that stuff gives you a reason that you're not going to see the bottom fall out. Um, but are we going to see some gyrations? Yeah, we easily could see in this 2023. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as the as 2022 now comes to a close, record high farmland values throughout the United States. Some places up probably 40 to 60% in the last 15 months or so. And as we go into 2023, where are we going to be? But uh, Steve, don't you still think there's a lot of cash out in the market though? And again, maybe it's come from profits or maybe still a lot of COVID money out there. Uh, I keep hearing time and time again, and I don't even know if this is true that there's still a trillion dollars worth of COVID money out there that hasn't been dispersed yet. But I mean, don't you think there's still a lot of cash out in the market that likely will start eroding later in the year? Absolutely. I think there is, but boy, we cannot keep sustaining giving away this free money, right? And so something's got to give. And when that does, um, you know, then then who's who's going to be who's going to be left, uh, you know, holding the bag on that? So but yeah, there's, there's, it, and it's funny cause I sit down with every, just about every sale and I sit down with them when they're doing the purchase agreements and they're, and you talk about, uh, are they financing or are they not going to finance? What kind of programs they're going to go through? 
And there is very little worry when we're signing these purchase agreements that they're going to get the money, that they're going to get the financing, or that, or they already have the cash, or it's ten thirty one money. And so um, that conversation is not tough. And there's been times in history when we're selling farmland that that conversation is tricky and tough, and you can see the inks in them. They don't know if they're going to be able to get the financing. They, you know, they they might have to check around with a couple lenders. That's still not that, or that's not the case in today's uh, real estate farmland market. They are confident that they're going to get the financing one way or the other, and that and it's going to work for their operation. Patrick, you're in your mid twenties. You probably want to buy some farmland, but you're probably looking at it going right now. I don't know if uh, you know if I got to put twenty, thirty percent down. Maybe I don't want to go borrow seventy or eighty percent at interest rates the way they are today. Right. You know, listening to you guys talk about the price of farmland and the values, I'm thinking of young people like Jack and I and the way the world we're growing up in right now, if we wanted to buy farmland, we're going to have to get creative and maybe go after something like a contract for deed. Yeah. So you can get that interest rate down. So you make that annual payment a little bit more affordable. And I think we might start seeing some of that. You know, it used to be the old rule of thumb was six or 7% in a contract for deed. Well, when the prime lending rate was three, three and a half percent or whatever, you know, obviously they were very, very uncompetitive. We didn't see any of them for a long time, but I really think that that might be something for sellers to consider now, maybe something for buyers to ask for. So again, that you can you can reduce that interest rate as much as you possibly can. I don't know we're probably going to see some of that as we get into two thousand and twenty three. But I agree with you, Steve. I think I think the window of opportunity to sell at at these prices, you can sell it whenever you want, but to be at the all time highs, I think the window of opportunity is going to start closing because really, when you think about it, there there has been a lot of cash out in the market. There still is a lot of cash out in the market. Uh, there's a lot of non-farm money out in the market too, but it, as that gets eroded, and that gets eroded by people purchasing land, obviously over time or equipment, uh, but inflation takes an awful lot away. I mean, you talk about uh, you know inflation uh, cutting into just anybody's uh, pocketbook or whatever it might be, boy, for the farmer and the land producer, land purchaser, it's cutting away pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing to 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 recognize too is if 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 the government's going to change the rules we're playing by with ten thirty one and capital gains and stepped up bases. You know, right now all that's pretty attractive. Um, uh, but if that changes, then then we're going to play by a whole different set of rules, and then it's, we're going to have to reset everything. And uh, um, and so, you know, now as a seller, it might be the best time to sell. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I I, th- I certainly think so. I think I think you have an opportunity here today. Now we're in the middle, almost the middle of December here. Uh, now through through at least March or April, I think we're going to be in pretty decent shape. But I'm with you. I'm concerned that this window of opportunity is going to start closing as we get further and further into 2023. For land buyers, it may be an opportunity late, later next year, but uh, things are certainly, you know, they're going to change. It's cyclical and we're in a cyclical business. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. I want to thank Steve Link, the broker at Pfeiffer's, for being with us. Jack Pfeiffer, real estate agent and drone pilot at Pfeiffer's, and Patrick Trainer and Morgan Almer, farmland managers at Pfeiffer's. They've agreed to stick around here. we got segments two, three, and four coming up. I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show and our podcast every week. You can reach our team at Pfeiffer's at 877 877- 700-4099 or email them at info at pifers.com. You can get a hold of their farm land and farm equipment auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, or their farmland managers, and they'll give you a free consultation. You can go to their website at pifers.com and contact the team. The team at Pifers, nobody, nobody does it better than the team at Pifers. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. $1,000 bid, $2,000 wares, $1,750 here now, too. 
Sold your way for seventeen hundred and fifty. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you for joining us here again today in studio. Jack Pfeiffer, real estate agent, drone pilot at Pfeiffer's. Morgan Almer and Patrick Trainer, farmland managers at Pfeiffer's. Glad they could join us. Talking a little bit about some of the trends in American agriculture, particularly farmland values. Where we were in 2022, seeing those record farmland values all over America, really, when you think about it. Uh, particularly in the Corn Belt and what North Dakota and Minnesota and South Dakota and Montana. Now, basically considered part of what they call the Western Corn Belt as we see the proliferation of the of corn being produced in these four states and, and really some great crops. Well, Patrick and, and Morgan, you guys saw some great corn crops this year in this area, didn't you? Yeah, we, we sure did, Kevin. Uh, yields were very high. Corn looked great this year. Yeah, wasn't it incredible when you when some of the yields? I mean, you know, when I was a kid back in the 60s and 70s, we never really saw a lot of corn, but now you see it all over, uh, not only in the valley, but you see it, you know, in, in the western side in, in Minnesota and then uh, central and western North Dakota and down in the south. You see an awful lot of corn now. You sure do. And and um, with the technology and the seeding and stuff, it's uh, allowed a lot of farmers to be able to implement that into their rotation yeah and the hybrids now that they have you know the drought resistant hybrids and everything and all the different uh the genetics that that go into the production of corn and, and even soybeans now but you know good good rotation it's not uncommon now to see the you know cereal grain rotation you got wheat barley durum whatever rotating with corn and soybeans but it's a healthy it's a good healthy rotation for the soil yes it sure it sure is uh it's good to have diversification in a good rotation. Yeah, you know, for a number of reasons, you know, insect control, obviously improving soil health and that type of thing. So, Patrick, uh, you know, you cover a big area for pipers. I know you cover the northern end of the Red River Valley. You're on the western edge of the valley. And then you're out into the Prairie Pottle region, way up north in the Devil's Lake, Church's Ferry, Candu area, rugby up in there in that area. Uh, what are you seeing for trends now on farm farmland cash rents up in that area right you said it perfectly kevin that devil's lake region we call it god's country yeah it's pretty nice uh, up there isn't it you know we're we're seeing modest modest increases in the the rental rates you know with these these commodity prices uh where they're at but one thing to keep in mind is we do work for the landowner but we're also an advocate for the farmer so we're not out there to gouge anybody you know we want the deal to work for both sides yeah, and even though you're seeing an increase in uh, cash rents, um, they really uh, lag behind the rising increase of farmland values. Because farmland values, realistically, you know, I, I kind of look at it this way. And I look at, uh, you know, I watch the news incessantly. I'm watching it all the time, trying to learn as much as I can about economics and the American economy and where we're going and everything. I keep hearing this 8.5% inflationary rate. That's a bunch of bull. Inflation is a lot higher now. We all know it. Inflation is like 30, 40, 50%. I mean, prices are through the roof. Farmland values are up 40 to 50% in the last 15 months. But, you know, cash rents have not gone up as much as farmland values. And that may be a good thing because, like you said, you know, I know as farmland managers for Pfeiffer's, it has to be a win-win. 
you represent the landowner, but you're an ad- advocate for the American producer. But but we're not seeing 40, 50, 60 percent increases in, in cash rents in a lot of cases. Some were maybe you were inferior to the market. Maybe it were maybe you're on the tail end of five or a six or seven year cash rent contract. Maybe you were a little bit further behind in that. But generally, if you c- you're coming off a one or a two or even a three year cash rent deal, uh, you're really not going to see huge increases. But you're going to have a somewhat of an increase from what I've seen in the market thus far. Right. Yeah. You know, like I said, we're seeing, we're seeing slight increases. Um, we want, we want the deals, the deals to work for everybody. And with this market, we're seeing more um, flex leases with these, these commodity prices and things like that. So that's another tool that we have in our toolbox right now. So as a, as a farmland manager at Pfeiffer's now, what is a common rental agreement? Is it a cash rent deal or is it cash rent with flex? A uh, common, most common would be cash rent. We do have a couple flex lease agreements, but most common would be a cash rent. Okay, so explain to our listeners the difference between a cash rent and then a cash rent with flex payments on it. A cash rent is just a set uh, number per acre, but a flex rental agreement you take, um, you have a percentage allotted for each commodity. So corn might be twenty five percent, and then all other commodities at thirty, you take the um, you get the yields from the farmer. And you take that times the average multi-parallel crop insurance price for the year. You take that number, the gross revenue number, times the allotted percentage for each commodity. Then that number you take minus your base rent, and that's your new flex payment number per acre. So it's a flex is basically a contractual bonus. So then that benefits, obviously, both the farmer and the landowner. And you, right. you start, are you starting to see more of that, Morgan and Pat? Both of you seeing more of that? With the increase in commodity prices, it seems to be uh, uh, more common than it was. Yep. And right, again, it's, it's and it's not that difficult to manage, right? No, it's not. It's not terribly difficult to manage at all. And it's you know some years you're not going to see a flex payment in those dry years where the yields aren't as good, but years like right now you're going to see some nice flex payments. So there's a little bit of risk involved, but the upside is nice. Yeah, and for the landowner, it's nice simply because they have the guarantee of the base cash rent. But and then for the farmer, obviously, they if if it's a negotiated rent and it's not as high as perhaps the landowner like, it's good for the farmer. Uh, if they do have a great crop, then both benefit. The landowner benefits, the farmer benefits. So it's probably a better better option in some cases. Right. A lot a lot of these producers are happy to go with a flex rental agreement because if if you are getting a flex payment, it means the producer had a good year as well. Do you, are you have any situations where you do a you know complete hundred percent share crop agreement where it's seventy percent to the farmer thirty percent to the landowner or do you have many of those in place? You know I don't have any of those. Do you, Morgan? I do not have any of those at the yeah. moment. You know it used to be quite a few back back you know twenty thirty forty years ago, but boy, it seems seems like more and more now there's more focus on the cash rent. And there also is uh, that added flex payment or that flex clause that's in the agreement. And again, you know, it, it kind of comes down to, you know, obviously, you know, what works for everybody. Like you guys said, I, I appreciate that. The fact that, you know, uh, and you said it probably as well as anybody could say it, you know, you represent the landowner as a farmland manager for Pfeiffer's, but you're also an advocate for the farmer because it has to work for the farmer. And, uh, you know, again, in these times when there's a lot of unpredictability and input costs, you know, look what we've seen diesel prices do. I mean, just in the last nine months, 12 months, what diesel prices have gone from what, two and a half, three dollars to five to five and a half dollars a gallon. Unbelievable. A lot of our fertilizers and a lot of inputs are petroleum based products. So, again, from that perspective, it probably could be a potential uh, benefit or maybe a hedge against um, some against some risk for the farmer to go into a flex agreement. Right. You know, and all these these flex agreements, they're they're great. And a lot of these producers are happy 
happy to enter into a flex flex agreement. I mean, you're not you're going to have years where you don't get a payment as a landowner, but that's a risk you're willing to take. You know, as you guys, you know, as, as 2022 comes to an end, what are some of the concerns, the the tenant, not the farmer now, but the, the renter, the tenant that was, we call them the tenant farmer, what are some of the concerns they have now as you've renegotiated rents that, you know, or these contracts that have come due and we're getting ready for another two, three year contract in place? What have, what are their concerns that they've shared with either of you? Well, I think one of their concerns is is how long are these commodity prices going to last? Um, obviously, we're seeing some very nice high numbers right now, but how long is that going to last? That's probably the number one concern that we're that I'm hearing from the tenants right now. Yeah, and, and you know, how long a tail do we have? I mean, uh, corn. How what's corn going to be? Soybeans, wheat, barley, canola, or whatever. Uh, where's that sugar beet payment going to be? Where's potatoes? Um, you know, I'm talking to a lot of potato farmers this year. You know, again. Uh, uh, there's a big there's a big demand for potatoes right now in the market. The fresh market potato market's really hot right now. People trying to get them out, washed and clean, and out into the Costco's or the WalMarts or whatever. I got a lot of good friends that raise potatoes and market those uh, to those big uh, box uh, box stores. Uh, but yeah, I could see that. Patrick, how about you? What what do you see in the biggest concern well, they have? Yeah, going off what Morgan said. I mean, if these if these input prices stay where they are and commodity prices go down, I mean that that's a huge huge concern for these producers. You know, that's that's a big one that we're hearing. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that would probably be number one, obviously. And then after that, probably input costs too. I would imagine a lot of people concerned. Yes, sir. Very good, and, you know, you know, fuel prices, seed costs, and everything else to go with it. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty, Pfeiffer's Farmland Management, for sponsoring our show and our podcasts every week on Apple and Spotify. If you want to get a hold of Pfeiffer's Farmland Managers, their farm equipment and land auctioneers, or their real estate agents, you can at eight seven seven. 700-4099 or email them at info at pifers.com. You can also contact the entire team at Pifers. They'll give you a free consultation on managing your farmland, selling your farmland or your equipment. The team at Pifers is ready to help you. Nobody, nobody does it better than the team at Pifers. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. In it here now, what are you gonna do now? I've been on here now, who been five hundred thousand dollar bid? I'm in five hundred in. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Want to thank all of you for joining us here again this morning on your favorite radio station. Just a reminder, if you miss any of our shows, you can listen to all of our podcasts on either Apple or Spotify. Best way to get a hold of those, just go to Pfeiffer's.com, click on our radio banner, and you'll get into our entire library of podcasts having to do with estate planning, easements, royalty rights, mineral rights, anything having to do with farmland and American agriculture. We got 90 plus podcasts there for you to listen to. In studio today, Jack Pfeiffer, drone pilot at Pfeiffer's and also a real estate agent. Farmland managers, Patrick Trainer and Morgan Almer with us here today. Morgan covering a lot of uh, western Minnesota, eastern North Dakota. Patrick Trainer covering a lot of the central and, and northern tier of North Dakota, talking about cash rents and farmland values up in that particular area. Jack, looking back, 2022 was quite a year. 2023, just the right around, right around the corner. Uh, as we look into 2023, looks like well, you know, before we finish out the year, Jack, you got a couple of big auctions coming up here. You got the Jost auction up here in McHenry and Ward County. Uh, you were out there just recently to drone that property. 
Uh, when you look at that one there, pretty spectacular piece of farm ground when you look at it in, in McHenry and in Ward County. I uh, don't know exactly the acres here. Let me get a 957 acres in McHenry and Ward counties. Uh, I know you uh, took a, a full day and went up there. Uh, some of that land up in uh, Carpio, uh, north of Granville. Uh, that's that's east of Granville is east of Minot, um, about 20 miles east. And then we got some more land north and west of Minot up in the Carpio area, but near Fox Home up in that area. But boy, that, that Joe's Farm is an incredible piece of property. Yeah, it is. And uh, like, like you kind of described there, it's pretty spread out. So I'd recommend if uh, if people want to see it, they go onto the website and see where everything's at. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's definitely some really good pieces. There's some nice quarters of some good flat-lying cropland with pretty good soils on them. And then um, also, some of the stuff uh, in Ward County there offers some really good uh, hunting opportunities as well with the mix of pasture and cropland on there. It's uh, some really cool properties for sure. Yeah, you know, when I look at these pieces over in Ward County, I'm like, you know, again, we're big fans of this loamy soil. And I know a lot of farmers are because nice thing about a lot of those Surus loam soils up there. And then they also got a lot of the uh, the Surus uh, Tonka complex soils up there really can raise a lot of good crops. I mean, th- these farms up here, uh, the the three parcels north and west of Minot are probably some of the three best ones we've sold in northern North Dakota this year. Soil productivity index is in the 80s, 90s uh, on these particular farms here, but strong uh, cropping history. They got wheat, corn, sunflowers, soybeans, and barley. But I like to look at these soil legends on here because I'm a big fan of uh, the Swaya loam soils, the Hamlet Surus loam soils, get up in that area but you know those three uh really some pretty spectacular pieces that you had talked about jack up there and then and then over in mchenry county those those are pretty got a couple of good pieces too over mchenry county those ones off to the east yeah yeah they are those are the those ones are really good like i said nice flat line uh properties uh really good access i didn't have any trouble getting to those uh wasn't really able to see with the snow out there wasn't really able to see what they had for for a crop on them last year but uh it sounded like they were able to to have a really good year, so should be good. I did uh, want to get back here and talk to Pat Trainer and Morgan Almer, farmland managers at Pfeiffer's. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of interesting, you know, this year uh, throughout North Dakota, just kind of looking back again, getting a little nostalgic here. But, you know, the year started out pretty wet. You know, last year we had a drought in 2021, and boy, we talked about that drought a lot, a lot of drought assistant programs. And then uh, then we had this wet spring. Uh, but then, boy, it seems like the spigot got shut off in about July or August. And they, we it was probably one of the best falls for harvest of we've had in many, many years. In fact, it was almost kind of too dry. Uh, for those people who were picking either potatoes or sugar beets because you heard about a lot of breakdowns and a lot of wearing down of, of equipment and stuff because it was too dry. But, and then we had this big snow event coming in, uh, and now all of a sudden we haven't had any snow for a while. Now we're getting a little bit again. But, you know, overall, do you, what is the moisture situation throughout the area? You know, in western Minnesota, North Dakota, you get into Montana and then northern North Dakota. What are you guys seeing out there? Well, what we're seeing, uh, Kevin, is, is it, it still is dry. Um, in virtually all the areas we cover, they are hoping to get uh, moisture of some sort before next spring. Um, so it, it, it's still relatively dry. Now, it's nothing like it was in 2021, but still, um, uh, they'd like to see some sort of moisture. So overall, in the areas that you guys cover, you know, you're, and again, it was it was so dry for, you know, we kept all thinking, it's going to rain again. Well, like sugar beet harvest and potato harvest, it really went off without any glitches because the the sugar beet campaign, the only time they shut down because it got too warm, 
uh, they didn't have to shut down at all because too much excess moisture. Right. It was it was very seamless. That was the only uh, only a couple of shutdowns throughout the whole campaign, and and again that was due to warmth um, and no no rain events. Nothing else stopped them. And that's something, you know, the, the fall that we had compared to the spring, the spring was wet. It just seemed like it would never end. All of a sudden we were thinking about, are we going to have a 30% of our crop you know, not planted? We're going to go into a preventive plant situation and then uh, f- get into fall, completely the opposite. Really, really dry. But again, makes for a good harvest, but then uh, the bad comes with it. So Patrick, how about you? What'd you see out in your area where you manage farmland for pipers? Right. You know, one of the things that really stuck out is it was a dry fall. These guys that were out doing falls work were breaking shanks and shovels left and right and it was almost too dry it was like digging concrete I actually went out and did a little bit of falls work myself driving the big quad track and it was you were breaking shanks and shovels quite a bit yeah and I I bet everybody's glad to see that early snowfall that we had obviously because basically the crop was off when we got this big snowstorm earlier this fall but now you know we haven't had major events here for a couple of weeks now but I would imagine that uh, we're still probably a couple two three four inches short now don't you think overall Right. Yep. I still think we're a little bit short on moisture, but we'll we'll see what this winter holds for us and how it melts in the spring. You know, another thing that we talk a lot about on this show is the diversification of agriculture. And, you know, Jack, you travel a lot, Morgan and Patrick, you guys see that, you know, back back in the old days had diversified farms. Basically, uh, back in those days, weren't just diversified crop farms, but they were diversified crop and livestock farming. Uh, but as you as you guys as farmland managers, as you travel now, uh, do you see less and less of, of livestock agriculture in North Dakota? You're starting to see some new enterprises pop up. You know, I don't see a whole lot of new enterprises pop up, but you do still see your row crop farmers and your, your livestock farmers. There's certain pockets where you seem to see more of them and then certain areas where you really just don't don't see as many cattle. But I, I would tend to say I don't see as many new cattle operations popping up. Yeah, I don't know, Morgan, you know, you grew up on a diversified farm. You guys had grain and cattle, but, you know, in Kidder County, of course, probably one of the most diversified counties in all of North Dakota, but certainly you're, you're seeing less and less of it now. We are, we are. Uh, people seem to be picking one or the other and going with it. Um, and, and, and in the areas I cover, uh, as you mentioned, eastern North Dakota, western Minnesota, I, I really f- see way more farmland than I do ranch operations. You know, and you get out into Western North Dakota, I think I think one of the best things, you know, for the the livestock producers in, in Western North Dakota has been, you know, the the proliferation of the corn varieties. I mean, I think that's really lent itself for uh, to give uh, livestock producers a little bit more advantages when it comes to feed. Uh, because for many, many years, you know, it was tough to grow a good corn crop in Western North Dakota. But, you know, as we travel and again, this fall, we talked a lot about it because we were all out hunting out there. We were selling farmland at auctions, at equipment auctions, whatever. But uh, you see a lot more corn out there now than we used to. And I, and I think it's been good for the producer. Uh, we had Dr. Pretrian here from NDSU here earlier this year, and he talked about livestock agriculture in central and western North Dakota and how important it is that we have this sustainable corn crop out in that part of the area. So, again, farmers aren't constantly having to buy that feed. And I'm sure you guys see that, you know, as you travel. in the cent- More and more so in the central and western North Dakota, you're seeing more and more corn. Right. And, you know, I specifically remember when we were out west um, on the Western North Dakota auctions, we, we saw some really nice corn. I remember we stopped and looked at it and said, wow, that, that is some really nice corn. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, more and more so all the time, I think with these different seed varieties, uh, the ad, the adaptation you know, of, of 
providing that and getting that into your rotation. Uh, and, and also, I think, and I'm a big fan of soil health, and I think for the improvement of soil health, cropping rotation, and what corn can do to improve the soil fertility and the soil health, I think that's all a very, very good thing. So, I don't know, I'm, we're all big fans of, of livestock agriculture. We're all big fans of trying to, to do all, everything that can, everything that anybody can do, whether it's the research centers, uh, NDSU research, or any of the other research centers that we can do uh, to help the American livestock producer. I think it's good. I, I, I like the changes we're seeing out there. Uh, I think it's healthy for them. Uh, again, you know, they lived without farm programs forever and ever, right, out in that part of the country. And uh, they do it with grit and hard work. And that's what it takes to, to be a livestock producer in American agriculture. And I, I just think the more that we can do in the area providing different types of crop varieties, I think is a very, very good thing, don't you? Right, right, completely. And we, we have so many valuable resources now at our fingertips, whether it be technology or the and these research centers at different universities. We have just so much wonderful information at our fingertips. It's just amazing. Jack, when you're out droning these properties, it's a lot of fun to see livestock out there, isn't it? The diversification of these farms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, earlier today, I was putting an ad together, and I think it was from, uh, I had to pull some stock footage of, of some of the better uh, areas I've looked at, and I pulled, uh, I think it was the Seagull Farm, which was out west that we sold earlier this year, and I got an awesome shot of the drone going over a wheat field and a soybean field. And then at a distance, you can see uh, some cattle uh, that were hanging out at a water hole. So yeah, it's very cool to see uh, just how diverse it's gotten out there. And um, yeah, they're able to do quite a bit now. Yeah, that's uh, the Seagull Farm just north of Richardson, a great area. We got a lot of affinity for that area. We actually own land just south of Richardson on the Hart River, so we love that area of North Dakota. So again, yeah, you're right. Uh, that was a, that's a great farm, the Seagull Farm. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer in studio today. Patrick Trainer and Morgan Almer, Jack Pfeiffer with us too. Appreciate all three of you guys being with us. We got one segment to go before we go to our final break. I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty for sponsoring our show. All of their farm Farm land managers, their farm equipment and land auctioneers, and their real estate agents for sponsoring our show. If you want to get a free consultation from this team, go to their website at pifers.com. Nobody, nobody does it better than the team at Pifers. You can also call them toll-free, 877-700-4099, or email them, info at pifers.com. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. Been the money going to do on 35, and I have... Sold it to you right there. Good bird. Just great. Bye. Alvin's been on here now. $50,000 bid now. $25 bid. $30. Alvin's on here. $30,000 bid Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you for joining us here on our final segment today. I'm so excited today. Morgan Almer is with us. He's a farmland manager for Pfeiffer's Farmland Management uh, from Kidder County, North Dakota, right in the heart and soul of center of the center of North Dakota, just south. He grew up south of Pfeiffer's Auction Center of North America in Steele, North Dakota. Glad Morgan could be here. And then Patrick Trainer, farmland manager for Pfeiffer's, covers the northern tier of uh, farmland management area for Pfeiffer's. And Jack Pfeiffer, drone, uh, FAA drone pilot and farm real estate agent for Pfeiffer's and equipment logistics manager too. So 
Appreciate uh, both these guys being with us. Patrick, you're 25. Jack, you're 24 years old. You guys got a great future ahead of you. I am so excited that you guys are part of the Pfeiffer's team. Uh, you provide a great spark every single day at Pfeiffer's and uh, bring a lot of youth and uh, new ideas and uh, technology uh, adapted uh, personalities to our group and provide just so many uh, valuable things that a, that a group like Pfeiffer's needs to provide to its clients. Uh, but I want to have a little fun here. The last segment, talk about hunting, because um, one thing the three of us share is we love to hunt. And I know Morgan used to hunt in your, your old days too, but um, I still like to hunt deer. I'm a big fan of hunting mule deer and whitetail deer and pheasants. I'm not a big waterfall hunter, but uh, Patrick, I know one of your biggest passions is hunting jack. It's uh, not only hunting, but fishing. Uh, it's so refreshing to see guys like you that grew up in Fargo, North Dakota. Both of you, by the way, coincidentally, went to Fargo South, but now you're big agricultural guys, and uh, you cover North Dakota from one corner to the other and crisscross it multiple times in just one month and seem to have as good a thorough grasp on American agriculture, especially in North Dakota, Minnesota, South, South Dakota, Montana, as anybody around. But but, you know, when you look at it, a lot of people look at North Dakota, you know, uh, pretty good farm, you know, really good farms, farm country. But, man, the hunting opportunities in North Dakota for everybody, not, not just young people, but anybody, the hunting and the fishing opportunities are astronomical, not only here, but in Minnesota, Montana, and South Dakota. You know, it's absolutely unbelievable, Kevin. We usually, we start off the year, we hunt doves, then we go to waterfall. Then we go to grouse and pheasants, and then you can hunt deer. I mean, moose, antelope, elk, you name it, the, the variety is there, and it's just a wonderful place we live in. Do you have a lot of friends that uh, that you've been able to introduce it to hunting, or is it is it, and, and why don't people hunt, younger people hunt? Is they don't have access to the land or it's unaffordable? Uh, isn't But isn't, and I'm going to talk to Jack about this in a little bit because I know he's introduced the number is friends uh, to hunting. So uh, have you had those good experience of sharing hunting opportunities for people? Yeah, definitely. You know, we've been very blessed to uh, grow up and our dad taught us how to hunt and hunt the right way and have good etiquette and be respectful of, of other people's land. And we've uh, been fortunate enough to introduce a few people to hunting, but it is definitely a if you didn't grow up doing it, it's tough to get into. It's a very um, expensive sport, and there's a lot of needs associated with it, access to land and equipment and gear. So it's it's tough to get into, but it's always fun to introduce new people to the sport. But it can be affordable because you can get them on land that you own, right? You can borrow them a shotgun, right? All they have to do is buy the box of shells, right? So so there is a way you can get them out there and get them out hunting and enjoy the great outdoors. Right. There, there's always a way to get them involved, and that's it's just uh, really special when you've been able to do it your whole life and have been afforded that opportunity to introduce somebody else to it and see the smile on their face when they kill a rooster or a duck, whatever it may be. Jack, I know you've had a great uh, time taking the introducing a lot of your friends that you grew up with in, in the city, uh, take them out to our place, South of Richardson hunting, whether it's pheasants or deer, you take them out fishing or whatever it might be. But, um, and I know a lot of your friends really, really well. And, uh, you know, they never really had the opportunity uh, growing up to, to participate in hunting, but it seems to me a lot of them would now rather be hunting and fishing than, than playing golf or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and like Pat said, if you didn't grow up doing it, if you didn't have, you know, that mentor in place to kind of teach you or show you the ropes, I mean, uh, it, it's kind of, you're, you'd kind of be skeptical skeptical uh, about getting into, into it. So, yeah, I really enjoy being able to uh, introduce guys to different types of hunting and fishing and, and all that kind of stuff because, 
you know, one of the big worries that guys are always worried about is, you know, the, all the regulations that there are out there and stuff that you want to make sure you're doing it right. And, and also, you know, um, you're doing what we do. I get, I get the opportunity to go all over the state and explore so many different areas. So, I mean, even just knowing the spots is, is kind of a big part of it as well. I mean, where do you start if you don't, if you've never done it before? So yeah, I really enjoy being able to kind of, uh, you know, lead guys into it and, uh, having, seeing them go out and doing it on their own is, is pretty cool too. And they've really enjoyed it, haven't they? Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they get a kick out of it for sure. Yeah. Been, I know you've had some friends that have really, it's really put a smile on their face for sure. Oh yeah. Yep. I've definitely converted a few city kids. So that's, that, uh, even though I'm one of them, but yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's a lot of fun. That is good. And then, and then also the fishing too, great opportunities for fishing all over. You know, another thing that's kind of nice too, is the, 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 uh, the electronic or the digital mapping. Uh, you know, we all subscribe to different mapping systems at Pfeiffer's. We have, we have access to farm, basically farm, these farm FSA maps, corresponding NRCS soil maps and that type of thing. But, but for uh, people that want to hunt, there's great opportunities out there. There's, a, there's, a, there's an application called MapRite. There's another one called OnX, O-N-X, OnX Hunt Map. Uh, those have provided great opportunities because also you can find out not only who the landowner is, but some of them you can tell whether they're digitally posted or not too. Yeah, that's a big one is, uh, is the digitally posting because one, it saves you time when you're out there. You don't have to drive a line or drive around to each corner or section line looking for a posted sign so you can know right away whether or not you're good to go on that piece. And then and then the other big thing with those mapping systems is, is you can see who the property belongs to. So you can you can it kind of gives you a start to to get in contact with that person if the land is posted and see if you can get permission. And, and, you know, a lot of the times the, that posted land, if, if, if you want to go out and hunt it and it's, um, and you're respectful and, and you kind of let the landowner know exactly what your plan is and what you're going to be doing, odds are they're going to say yes and you'll, you'll be able to get on there. So yeah, th- but those mapping systems are, are a, a kind of a game changer when it comes to going out and exploring and scouting and all that stuff. I think it's good for the landowner. I think it, you know, it's, it, it gives the landowner kind of a peace of mind. It, it's good for the hunter, like you said. Um, and I, I believe on some of them too, isn't it? The plots, the private land open to sportsmen, isn't that, aren't they posted on these or they are identified on the Onyx mapping? Yep. And yep. The map absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. All the, all the plots and different type of public lands, you know, waterfowl uh, production areas, all that kind of stuff is on there. So yeah, before I go to explore a new area, I always check the mapping systems first and kind of get an idea of maybe three, four, five, six spots I want to go check out. And, uh, just by looking at the aerial map. So yeah, it's a, it saves you a lot of time and it makes it a lot more convenient for sure. Uh, Patrick, I'm sure as a farmland manager and a hunter too, you use the uh, different mapping systems, uh, digital ones. Yeah, we use the Onyx a lot. You know, it's uh, it's nice for hunting and from the real estate side of things. You know, you get to see, like Jack said, who, who actually owns that land and you get phone numbers for hunting. So they're just such handy applications to have for both real estate and hunting. You know, and one thing I've learned over the years is, you know, sometimes you're a little reluctant to go onto the plots land because it is private land open to everybody. Uh, so you don't need to get landowner permission, but, uh, there's been good hunting on plots land the last couple of years. Yeah. Like that one piece we walked when we were out West for the auctions, but we saw 50, 60 pheasants on that one parcel. So it was, it was amazing. If you get there at the right time of day when it hasn't been walked, yeah. it's great. Great. You've success. seen that. You've seen that too. I mean, Jack, whether it's waterfall or for pheasants. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. That one spot that Pat was talking about kind of, uh, when we were doing some upland bird hunting, yeah, if you're there, I mean, we were kind of lucky to hit it on, a, I think it was like a Wednesday morning or something. So the odds that somebody had walked it were pretty low. But yeah, it's it's really, we're really fortunate that, that landowners are willing to, to uh, make those those spots open for everybody and let everybody enjoy them. And yeah, it's a, there's a surprisingly good amount of, of really quality hunting pieces out there. 
Folks, if you want to learn more about these mapping systems, get a hold of Pat Trainer, Farmland Manager at Pfeiffer's, or Jack Pfeiffer, real estate agent at Pfeiffer's, uh, MapRite, Onyx, and there's some other ones that are out there too. They're really nice to have, even if you're not a hunter. I, I like looking at who owns farmland and driving by, and you have that ability to, to look, do that research. Folks, I want to thank you all for being here today, and I want to thank our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show today and all of our podcasts, including this one on Apple and Spotify, Pfeiffer's Farmland and Equipment auctioneers, their real estate agents, and their farmland managers are as passionate and as good as anybody in the business. Nobody, nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. You can call them toll-free, 877-700-4099. You can email them at info at Pfeiffer's.com or go to their webpage at Pfeiffer's.com and contact their team, and they'll give you a free consultation on managing your farmland or selling your farmland or your equipment or helping you buy farmland if you'd like. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll look forward to being with you next week. Here now, taking a thousand dollar bid now. Nine hundred dollar here now. One 